Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for sitting at the cool kids table. We have had a lot of fun this fall. I think it's some of the best episodes that we've had since we started this show now over three years and well past 300 episodes. I think the latest episodes have been really good. And one of the things that's been fun is I've invited back some previous guests uh, and we get to talk more about what they've done in the, the, the two or three years since they were originally on the show. So, and that's what we're going to do today. Today, we've got just a great guest who is one of my favorite people. And I'll tell you the story in just a minute of how I met him and how he ended up being on the show the first time and just sort of all the things he does. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by the Potential Mastermind Project Group Coaching Program. Now, wait a minute. You're saying, Tom, that's your own group coaching program. Well, yes, it is. But you know what? You're listening to a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if you're listening to this show, I'm assuming that you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or somebody who has that entrepreneurial spirit, even though you're inside a job. And I know many of you want to spin off and do your own thing, and it's hard to do by yourself. So I created the Potential Mastermind Project, because I know that all of us in our soul have more potential. And now might just be the time to get involved. This mastermind program is here to help you find that focus and get a little bit of accountability that we all need. It's a small but mighty group, and we have conversations, and we have a Facebook page, and basically it's just here if it's right for you. I realize this isn't right for everybody, but if you want to know more, jump over to PotentialMastermind.com and see if this is a good fit to help you get closer to your potential. So today's guest, let me back up a couple of years, and I was going to be speaking in New York City, and I was connected with a really cool woman. You may have heard of her. She's a little bit more famous than I am, a woman named Dory Clark. And a mutual friend said, oh my gosh, you're going to be in New York. New York. You have to go have coffee or breakfast with Dory Clark. So I reached out to Dory and I introduced myself and she was like, oh, that'd be awesome. And I asked her to be on my podcast. And she said, you know, I've got a couple of other podcasters who I've been corresponding with. Why don't we just all have, why don't we just all have breakfast? And we went to, I think it was the, the Harvard Club in New York City and uh, just an awesome private club restaurant. And I had the chance to meet a couple of people, but one of them was Jeffrey Shaw. And Jeffrey has this amazing podcast and he's one of these people, he has a generous soul. He has a generosity of spirit that just sort of comes through. And while I had Dory on the show and I really liked the other person, Jeffrey and I have stayed in more touch than I have with anybody else at that breakfast. I was inspired by some of the things that he was doing, the way he coaches people uh, who are in his program, and his really interesting and what I would call, gosh, eclectic life spirit experiences. And so I had him on the show and uh, we've kept in touch and he is about to release a brand new book. And that book is coming out right about now. And so it's probably already available by the time this show airs. And it is called Lingo. Discover your ideal customer's secret language and make your business irresistible. Now think about that. Let's look at that tagline really quick. Discover your ideal customer's secret language. What? My customers have a secret language? They, 
they didn't tell me they have a secret language. What, what, are they speaking French? Tell me. I don't know. That first draws me in because I want to know. And the second part is make your business irresistible. Well, I want to make my business irresistible. So the rest of you can just listen in while I learn how to do this because today's guest is Jeffrey Shaw. Hey, Jeffrey, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, Tom, you're so awesome. Thanks for inviting me back to the, the cool kids table. And uh, yeah, it's always a fun and that breakfast was a blast. So really glad to be back here with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you have done so many things. You've, you've, you've sort of reinvented part of your life. You up and moved away from New York City. If I was going to New York today and I wanted to have breakfast with somebody cool, I would be eating alone because you now live in Florida. Yes, Miami Beach. And, and what made you move to Florida? I mean, I'm, everybody's a big, you know, many people are big fans of New York. What makes you say, oh, look at these giant skyscrapers. I want palm trees instead. Yeah. I, and I never thought I'd leave New York. I mean, it's in my bones. Uh, I came down for vacation. I had planned on coming down for three months and never left, literally never left. I, I uh, called for my furniture, eventually let my lease in New York City expire. But you know what? It was about rejuvenation. As, as wonderful as New York is, you're always on, you know, and you and I, we both travel a lot. Uh, you know, we're, we're on so much in our lives and on for me is a stretch because I consider myself by nature an introvert. So for me to do the big, you know, cool things in life that I want to do, it's all a stretch for me and I need to rejuvenate. And I found that harder and harder to do in New York City, came down to Miami and I found, wow, you know, I can just walk on the beach and be rejuvenated. And that's kind of what I needed at this point in my life to do big, cool things. So now you moved there and like, you know, an hour and a half later, well, it was a couple months. You also had like these hurricanes coming at you. You know, what was that like for a guy who was like, I mean, New York, sometimes the hurricanes come up there and you get rain for a few days and things like that. This was probably a different experience for you. Yeah. Well, the first time I stayed in my apartment, and mind you, I've got 20-foot windows that face the ocean. So the first time I stayed, it wasn't a mandatory evacuation, so I stayed. But once there was at that point where you could no longer leave, I realized that was a really dumb mistake. But fortunately, <laughs> that was last fall. That storm kind of skipped past Miami. This past one, Ir Irma, there was no choice. It was a mandatory evacuation. I uh, had to leave my apartment. And, uh, you know, I stayed in Miami, but at a friend's a little further inland, and uh, I was okay with the, the hurricane, but I was not expecting the tornado warnings. Nobody told me there were tornadoes and hurricanes. <laughs> and Florida <laughs> homes don't have basements. So I felt pretty vulnerable. So I think I'm just, uh, I, I'm going to just get used to it. I mean, if you wanted tornadoes, you could have moved to Texas, right? Yeah. We've, we've got tornadoes. Yeah. You didn't. I didn't get the, it didn't get the memo that tornadoes came with hurricanes. <laughs> so, so you've reinvented, you've refreshed, and you are now helping people discover this lingo, this, this language of their customers and position themselves to be irresistible. Tell us a little bit about the new book. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's one of those stories, honestly, and Tom, I know you, I'm sure you can relate. We, we live a story that's so close to us, you don't see it in front of you. And I, to be honest, I wrote a book. I took all of last year and wrote a book and uh, started sharing it. Uh, you know, I made the classic mistake of getting edit, an editor after I wrote the book and it wasn't the right book for me. This was, The book I wrote last year was not the right book for me to really make a platform for what I stood for. So I started over again and when kind of looking for the story, uh, a different editor that I'm currently working with now brought it out of me. I said something in a comment because that's the most interesting thing I've heard. You know, this idea of people having a secret language because that's your book. And I realized I've been living that. I lived that story from the age of 20 to, you know, my current age of 53. This is how I built my photography business. This is how I built my coaching business. This is how I help other people build their business. This idea that every market has a secret language, you know, and what helped me really see this is I grew up lower middle class. And as a photographer, I ended up photographing and serving the wealthiest people in our country. 
And I got them and they got me better than I understood my own family. And I realized that, you know, through this way of discovery that there's just, there's every market, whether it's high end, low end, everything in between, there's a, a, a deeper way to communicate with people through what I refer to as a secret language. It's, it's getting in deep. It goes way beyond buyer personas and avatars, which is classic marketing you know, jargon. This gets into their lingo. Like what makes them tick? What, what, how can you be empathetic with them? And I realized that's how I built my businesses. And I was like, well, there's my book. You know, this is, this is what, this has been my secret key all along that I don't see other people really understanding. And it needed to be put out there for other entrepreneurs. So, you know, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and this actually sounds pretty cool, but you got to give me a little bit more. I, I don't understand when you say people have a secret language. I mean, that's cool, but that, is that a buzzword? <laughs> yeah. So can I, can I give you a foundational story about this, how this whole thing happened? Yes. <clears throat> okay. So imagine this. So I'm 23 years old. I had been in business for three years as a photographer, completely struggling. Actually, let's just say failing. <laughs> Hungry. Hungry, <clears throat> hungry, you know, I'm uh, not fully understanding why, except I, I had this wake up moment. I realized I am completely barking up the wrong tree. The, the market I was trying to serve did not get what I was out there offering as a, you know, porch photographer, and, uh, which for the area was considered high end, but in hindsight wasn't at all. But it wasn't an area that could, they, they didn't have the money to plan for the future. They didn't have the money to think about photographs to hand down to their kids. So I decided, okay, it became clear to me I am selling a luxury product. So I go into New York City to the one store that I knew that was super expensive, Bergdorf Goodman on Fifth Avenue. Have, Tom, have you ever been there? Yes, I have. I, I, okay. I love fancy stores in New York. I, I don't actually ever buy anything, but I, I like to visit them. I like to visit expensive things. Yeah. Well, Bergdorf's is a one-of-a-kind department store. You know, it's right there smack on Fifth Avenue and let tons of people walk by and don't even know it's there. And that's the point. It's not for everybody. So I go in there ridiculously inappropriately dressed because, you know, I'm poor. Uh, literally had holes in my shoes. And all, the best I could hope for is they thought maybe I was a rich heir, you know. that. that <laughs> Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for sitting at the cool kids table. We have had a lot of fun this fall. I think it's some of the best episodes that we've had since we started this show now over three years and well past 300 episodes. I think the latest episodes have been really good. And one of the things that's been fun is I've invited back some previous guests uh, and we get to talk more about what they've done in the, the, the two or three years since they were originally on the show. So, And that's what we're going to do today. Today, we've got just a great guest who is one of my favorite people. And I'll tell you the story in just a minute of how I met him and how he ended up being on the show the first time and just sort of all the things he does. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by the Potential Mastermind Project Group Coaching Program. Now, wait a minute. You're saying, Tom, that's your own group coaching program. Well, yes, it is. But you know what? You're listening to a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if you're listening to this show, I'm assuming that you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or somebody who has that entrepreneurial spirit, even though you're inside a job. And I know many of you want to spin off and do your own thing, and it's hard to do by yourself. So I created 
the Potential Mastermind Project, because I know that all of us in our soul have more potential. And now might just be the time to get involved. This Mastermind Program is here to help you find that focus and get a little bit of accountability that we all need. It's a small but mighty group, and we have conversations, and we have a Facebook page, and basically it's just here if it's right for you. I realize this isn't right for everybody, but if you want to know more, jump over to PotentialMastermind.com and see if this is a good fit to help you get closer to your potential. So today's guest, let me back up a couple of years, and I was going to be speaking in New York City, and I was connected with a really cool woman. You may have heard of her. She's a little bit more famous than I am, a woman named Dory Clark. And a mutual friend said, oh my gosh, you're going to be in New York. New York, You have to go have coffee or breakfast with Dory Clark. So I reached out to Dory and I introduced myself and she was like, oh, that'd be awesome. And I asked her to be on my podcast. And she said, you know, I've got a couple of other podcasters who I've been corresponding with. Why don't we just all have, why don't we just all have breakfast? And we went to, I think it was the, the Harvard Club in New York City and uh, just an awesome private club restaurant. And I had the chance to meet a couple of people, but one of them was Jeffrey Shaw. And Jeffrey has this amazing podcast and he's one of these people, he has a generous soul. He has a generosity of spirit that just sort of comes through. And while I had Dory on the show and I really liked the other person, Jeffrey and I have stayed in more touch than I have with anybody else at that breakfast. I was inspired by some of the things that he was doing, the way he coaches people uh, who are in his program, and his really interesting and what I would call, gosh, eclectic life spirit experiences. And so I had him on the show and uh, we've kept in touch and he is about to release a brand new book. And that book is coming out right about now. And so it's probably already available by the time this show airs. And it is called Lingo. Discover your ideal customer's secret language and make your business irresistible. Now think about that. Let's look at that tagline really quick. Discover your ideal customer's secret language. What? My customers have a secret language? They they didn't tell me they have a secret language. What, what, are they speaking French? Tell me. I don't know. That first draws me in because I want to know. And the second part is make your business irresistible. Well, I want to make my business irresistible. So the rest of you can just listen in while I learn how to do this because today's guest is Jeffrey Shaw. Hey, Jeffrey, welcome back to Cool Things entrepreneurs do. Hey, Tom, you're so awesome. Thanks for inviting me back to the, the cool kids table. And uh, yeah, it's always a fun and that breakfast was a blast. So really glad to be back here with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you have done so many things. You've, you've, you've sort of reinvented part of your life. You up and moved away from New York City. If I was going to New York today and I wanted to have breakfast with somebody cool, I would be eating alone because you now live in Florida. Yes, Miami Beach. And, and what made you move to Florida? I mean, I'm, everybody's a big, you know, many people are big fans in New York. What makes you say, oh, look at these giant skyscrapers. I want palm trees instead. Yeah. I, and I never thought I'd leave New York. I mean, it's in my bones. Uh, I came down for vacation. I had planned on coming down for three months and never left, literally never left. I, I uh, called for my furniture, eventually let my lease in New York City expire. But you know what? It was about rejuvenation. As, as wonderful as New York is, you're always on, you know, and you and I, we both travel a lot. Uh, you know, we're, we're on so much in our lives and on for me is a stretch because I consider myself 
by nature an introvert. So for me to do the big, you know, cool things in life that I want to do, it's all a stretch for me. And I need to rejuvenate. And I found that harder and harder to do in New York City. Came down to Miami and I found, wow, you know, I can just walk on the beach and be rejuvenated. And that's kind of what I needed at this point in my life to do big, cool things. So now you move there and like, you know, an hour and a half later, well, it was a couple months. You also had like these hurricanes coming at you. You know, what was that like for a guy who's like, I mean, New York, sometimes the hurricanes come up there and you get rain for a few days and things like that. This was probably a different experience for you. Yeah. Well, the first time I stayed in my apartment, and mind you, I've got 20-foot windows that face the ocean. So the first time I stayed, it wasn't a mandatory evacuation, so I stayed. But once there was at that point where you could no longer leave, I realized that was a really dumb mistake. But fortunately, <laughs> that was last fall. That storm kind of skipped past Miami. This past one, Ir- Irma, there was no choice. It was a mandatory evacuation. Uh, had to leave my apartment. And, uh, you know, I stayed in Miami, but at a friend's a little further inland, and uh I was okay with the, the hurricane, but I was not expecting the tornado warnings. Nobody told me there were tornadoes and hurricanes. <laughs> and Florida <laughs> homes don't have basements. So I felt pretty vulnerable. So I think I'm just, uh, I, I'm going to just get used to it. I mean, if you wanted tornadoes, you could have moved to Texas, right? Yeah. We've, we've got tornadoes. Yeah. You didn't. I didn't get the, it didn't get the memo that tornadoes came with hurricanes. <laughs> so, so you've reinvented, you've refreshed, and you are now helping people discover this lingo, this, this language of their customers and position themselves to be irresistible. Tell us a little bit about the new book. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those stories, honestly, and Tom, I know you, I'm sure you can relate. We, we live a story that's so close to us, you don't see it in front of you. And I, to be honest, I wrote a book. I took all of last year and wrote a book and uh, started sharing it. I, you know, I made the classic mistake of getting an, edit, an editor after I wrote the book and it wasn't the right book for me. This was, The book I wrote last year was not the right book for me to really make a platform for what I stood for. So I started over again and when kind of looking for the story, uh, a different editor that I'm currently working with now brought it out of me. I said something in a comment because that's the most interesting thing I've heard. You know, this idea of people having a secret language because that's your book. And I realized I've been living that. I lived that story from the age of 20 to, you know, my current age of 53. This is how I built my photography business. This is how I built my coaching business. This is how I help other people build their business. This idea that every market has a secret language, you know, and what helped me really see this is I grew up lower middle class. And as a photographer, I ended up photographing and serving the wealthiest people in our country. And I got them and they got me better than I understood my own family. And I realized that, you know, through this way of discovery that there's just, there's every market, whether it's high end, low end, everything in between, there's a, a, a deeper way to communicate with people through what I refer to as a secret language. It's, it's getting in deep. It goes way beyond buyer personas and avatars, which is classic marketing you know, jargon. This gets into their lingo, like what makes them tick? What, what, how can you be empathetic with them? And I realized that's how I built my businesses. And I was like, well, there's my book. You know, this is, this is what, this has been my secret key all along that I don't see other people really understanding. And it needed to be put out there for other entrepreneurs. So, you know, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and this actually sounds pretty cool, but you got to give me a little bit more. I don't understand when you say people have a secret language. I mean, that's cool, but that, is that a buzzword? <laughs> yeah. So can I, can I give you a foundational story about this, how this whole thing happened? Yes. <clears throat> okay. So imagine this. So I'm 23 years old. I had been in business for three years as a photographer, completely struggling. Actually, let's just say failing. (laughs) Hungry, 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 you know, uh, I'm not fully understanding why, except I I had this wake up moment. I realized I am completely barking up the wrong tree. The, The market I was trying to serve did not get what I was out there offering as a 
you know, porch photographer, and uh, which for the area was considered high end, but in hindsight wasn't at all. But it wasn't an area that could, they didn't have the money to plan for the future. They didn't have the money to think about photographs to hand down to their kids. So I decided, okay, it became clear to me, I am selling a luxury product. So I go into New York City to the one store that I knew that was super expensive, Bergdorf Goodman on Fifth Avenue. Have, Tom, have you ever been there? Yes, I have. I, I, okay. I love fancy stores in New York. I, I don't actually ever buy anything, but I, I like to visit them. I like to visit expensive things. Yeah. Well, Bergdorf's is a one-of-a-kind department store. You know, it's right there smack on Fifth Avenue and let tons of people walk by and don't even know it's there. And that's the point. It's not for everybody. So I go in there ridiculously inappropriately dressed because, you know, I'm poor. Uh, literally had holes in my shoes. And all, the best I could hope for is they thought maybe I was a rich heir, you know, that, that maybe I, I didn't have to care what I looked like. So I go, Tom, the only thing I could, I had 20 bucks. And the only thing I could buy in that store for 20 bucks, including sales tax, was a tiny little vote of candle. So I wanted to understand everything about, you know, how rich people shopped. So I asked for this gift wrapped, this little tiny candle. And at the gift wrap stand, I asked the woman if she could teach me how to package things so they look great, you know, expensive and pretty. And she starts showing me how to wrap this candle in tons of tissue paper. And she goes to put it into their, their signature silver metallic box. And she stops and she looks up and she says to me, don't use any tape. Now, this was the weirdest comment to me. I have to say it. I, I jokingly say, like, in my family, we wrap presents with duct tape. Like, <laughs> I, right? I couldn't imagine. You know, duct, duct tape in, in comic stri- comics out of the newspaper, that was your gift wrap, you know? And she had no tape. And she explained to me the reason you didn't use any tape is because when someone was going to give this as a gift, they would completely unpackage it, untie the bow, lift off the top of the box, unfold all the tissue paper, and there would be the candle to make sure it's in perfect shape before they put it all back together and gave it as a gift. You wouldn't be able to do that if there was tape. Now, as simple as this little thing was, Tom, a light bulb went off in my head. It's like no tape is like a secret language for rich people. I had no idea such a thing would exist. And that that got me insanely curious. Like if there's that, what else is there? That's when I went into this advanced study of understanding how markets work and that every market has a secret language, pricing psychology, how things are merchandised, the brightness of a store. Like why why are discount stores incredibly bright with fluorescent lights, but you go into a higher end store and it's, it's moody and subdued. You know, why is it in low end stores, the prices are down to like the 100th of a cent, but in expensive stores, it's rounded off. And I realized every little step is the secret language that the bottom line is, Tom, people want to do business with what's familiar to them and what aligns with their secret language. And I've just, I've spent 30 years now studying this and breaking this down into these cues to make sure that the, my, the end goal of lingo and the end goal of my work is for people to only work with their ideal customers. Don't try to prove yourself. Don't work with people that aren't right for you. This is the way to get your ideal customers. God, that is such just a little tidbitty piece of advice I want to draw out a little bit deeper. And that is, it's okay to say no to certain okay. clients. I, I learned this the hard way. You know, people will call up and say, oh, we really want you to speak here. And when my gut tells me that is not the match, but yeah. I'll do it anyway because I want the money. It yeah. always ends up being those ones where I kick myself. So you, you are right. Figure out who your ideal customers are. Understand you know, what you do for them and then say no to the other people. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to, you know, it's, um, you know, I've kind of been out on an all 
uh, wage against uh, the Pareto principle, you know, the 80-20 rule. Now, you know, there's so many ways in which it's accurate, and I can't deny that. But for entrepreneurs, uh, that's a dangerous formula. We just simply cannot afford. Now, think about it. 80-20 rule. That means so 80% of your income comes from 20% of your customers. We can't afford for eight out of 10 of our customers to be the wrong ones. It takes way too much effort to even get someone's attention today as an entrepreneur. We can't afford for eight out of 10 of them to be a waste of time. And I realized looking back in my photography business, the reason it was successful is because every one of my customers was the ideal customer. I mean, my income wasn't 80-20. It was, at best, it was like 95-5. I mean, you know, almost <laughs> all my income came from the right people. There wasn't a split. And I think too many entrepreneurs have just settled with this idea to take what, can come, what comes along instead of concentrating on what strategies like the secret language strategies can you employ to make sure that every one of your clients is the right client. Ooh, you just said something very interesting that I know people who are out for their run or driving in their car or, or listening to this, <laughs> however they do, they just went, the secret lingo strategies? Mm. What are the secret lingo strategies? I don't know what the secret lingo strategies are. <laughs> well, I've broken out into five steps um, because these are the five components that at the end of the day, I realize this is what makes up this lingo, you know, this whole, what makes up a lingo? Lingos are, you know, every language has its components of sentences of vowels and continents, consonants. So this is, you know, these are the five steps and uh, I can go through them quickly. The first is perspective. This is everything. And, and I actually say in the book that this, this is meant to be a sequence. Perspective is everything. You first have to understand what the world looks like from somebody else's perspective. And for, for me, this was imperative as it is, it is for anybody. If you are, in fact, serving someone who is different than your own lifestyle, wealthy or not as wealthy, you know, younger, older, you have to understand where they're coming from. Right? And how often do we hear people talking about this? People don't understand millennials. Well, you know what? If you want to be in business in the future, you better get to understand them. They're the buying power. So it is on us as the entrepreneurs to understand the perspective of the people we want to serve, walk in their shoes. Second step is familiarity. I happen to love this one because familiarity is, you know, it creates comfort. You know, I tell a story in the book about uh, changing up the biscuit recipe at my family's Thanksgiving dinner and how I literally created an uproar because I decided to make handmade, you know, <laughs> biscuits from scratch instead of the Pillsbury ones you snack on the counter. I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't just do the little disc ones that you get out of oh the, little dough, the little dough tube? Um, my family had a fit and I realized, man, you can't mess with tradition. You can't mess with what's familiar because we find comfort. So when you create a, a business that's familiar, the, the, the pricing strategy, the lighting, all those things I'd said to you, the way your website looks, when you create an atmosphere that's familiar, people are drawn to it. It stands out like it's you're speaking their native language. Super important. Style. You know, sometimes we forget to just look at the surface level of things. You have to create a style for your business website and your promotional materials that's in the liking of the people you want to serve. You know, if your clientele is really traditional, they're not going to respond to ultra contemporary styled items. So do you understand, you know, their style components? Do you understand what, what makes sense for their style? And then price. Yeah, so many entrepreneurs, they struggle with pricing. Pricing to me has always been based on psychology and behavior. Uh, I'll tell you, Tom, a crazy story. There was three months from uh, there was a three month bridge from when I had my old business in my hometown, and the new business I was starting uh, in a wealthy town. There were three months that I had both businesses going, and in in my hometown, I charged one price for one of my products, and in the other town, I charged more than five times more for the same product. 
solely because I had to. Like that's what was going to position me through pricing psychology to create the perception that I was producing high quality, expensive things. Pricing is completely psychological. Uh, And then lastly is words. You know, I mean, we're in business. Today's world is all about branding and online marketing. We have to use words to get people's attention, stop them in their tracks instantly, uh, compel them, get them to walk towards you. And so I'm I'm really big on the careful crafting of words. So those five elements, uh, perspective, familiarity, style, price, and words, those collectively make up the secret language. You just have to understand, you know, that, that you want to develop that language for your ideal customer. So I want to jump into the pricing one for a minute because yeah. this is something that comes up in, in my business as a speaker all the time is, you know, people will say, oh, you know, they'll talk to someone new to the business who really doesn't have any experience and they go, oh, well, in order to position yourself, you need to position yourself at $15,000, but then they don't necessarily have the experience and they don't get any work or they get one gig and they don't perform at that level. So isn't there sort of a fine line between just pricing? I mean, obviously when you changed your photography business from one city to the other, one clientele to the other, you actually had experience. I mean, I've seen pictures that you're taking. I mean, you know, you weren't messing around. You were a great photographer who knew how to take a picture and and how to position the people and and light the family and and show the life in their eyes. Because I've seen the pictures that you've done. Do you think sometimes people get – they latch onto that pricing one and decide, oh, I want to look expensive, and they sort of put the cart before the horse? Because I see this happen all the time. Yeah. yeah I mean, you have, to, you have to be able to back it up. I mean, you can't – you know. but Tom, unfortunately, you and I both know that there can be some real garbage out there in every industry that creates the right perception, and people go along with it. You know? And one of the foundational questions I think that we need to ask ourselves as entrepreneurs is, is – is, who are we for? Who are, I guess, proper way of saying is whom are we for? <laughs> right. The, <laughs> I, I, I would say who probably. I, it's, I know it's whom, but you know, we don't <laughs> typically use it that way. But the truth of the matter is you got, I, I like to put a spin to that question. Cause anytime I hear people ask that question, it tends to be who's the audience. You know, I actually look at it the other way around. Who am I, who am I, who am I for? Right. What is my, if you have a, if you have a dry sense of humor, you're not for everybody. If you tend to be vulgar, you're not for everybody. So I like to look at like, who am I for first? And then who's the audience? So that you can kind of, you have to create the value. You can't just put out garbage and just attach a price to it because it will eventually catch up to you. But at the same time, you have to position yourself well because the reverse is also true. How often do we stay away from things because it's not priced high enough that we think, you know, that it might not be good enough. I, there's almost too much, uh, especially in today's online world, you know, the whole 997 versus a thousand, $99 versus a hundred. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to nickel and dime in your pricing psychology, you're going to get people who are going to nickel and dime you. And that's the key. It's like, can we just get past that and treat people like adults? I mean, we know $99 is $100. And if you want to speak to people in a, an intellectual way, just cut to the chase. Oh, I, I, I like that. And when you talk about whom, whom are you for and that, you know, some people are vulgar and that's not for everybody. You know, again, we always see the world through our own eyes. I think of speakers who swear a lot on stage and there's certain people who won't hire them. And those people are like, cool, don't hire me. And I've, I always admire that as opposed to, you know, people who have sort of a, a different attitude. But, but the question is, is that how do you get to that point of knowing who I'm for? Because I know I've fallen into this trap, not so much anymore, but I've been doing this for eight years and probably six of the eight years, I tried to be all things to all people. And, you know, how do you, how do you start identifying, you know, who you are for, whom you are yeah. for? 
<laughs> yeah, it's this weird paradox. And I, I truly think my next book is going to be about paradoxes because I, I love them. And I, I, I used Wait. to use a quote on, my, on a previous blog of mine all the time that was uh, said, uh, clarity is the fearless union of conflicting ideas. Like, I love conflicting ideas. I like, I just like conflict. And this is kind of one of them. Like, one of, at, the, at the, the basis of lingo is understanding that you need to build your business for people. Most of us build our businesses upside down, particularly creatives. You know, we're really good at something and then we go out, we, we build a business on that thing we're good at and then we spend our whole lives hunting down people to fit into that business. Well, it's backwards. <laughs> if you want to be successful, decide who you're building the business for first and then build everything for them. Build their secret language, you know, understand their perspective, build familiarity, style, price, all that into the business and then you're building the business the right way. But here's this weird paradox. On one hand, I'm saying build a business for other people. It's almost like this huge act of generosity. But on the other hand, I'm saying, yeah, but before you do that, who are you? What's your own self-study? Right? Who are you? Whom are you for? You see, you have to, it's, 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 as you know, Tom, entrepreneurship is not a linear path. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. To say the least. So it's kind of like, who are they and who are you, who are you for? Like, where does that meet? Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to alignment. And that's what the secret language is all about. It's about speaking the same language, right? Because if you're not speaking the same language, you're going to struggle through that conversation for the rest of your business years in the same way that you struggle through getting through French if you don't speak the language, right? There's just a, there's a fluency and a cadence that comes with speaking people's language that comes from being aligned with their values. So it's kind of a, it's a part self, self-study and Figuring out who is, you know, one of my core beliefs, Tom, in business is that the people that you are meant to serve are already there. It's your job to let them find you. Like we're not hunting down people anymore. And the way to let people find you, I, I sometimes I relate it to like a pane of glass, a pane of glass that's completely fogged over by our own false humbleness, our years of experience, our insecurities, our, you know, all the things that we have. It's our job to wipe that pane of glass clear so people can find us and they can see us. So it's, it's a duality. But at the end of the day, when, you, when you're face-to-face, -face, you know, literally or metaphorically with, with the right people, you get each other. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what I'm going for here. Who, who, can you, who can get you and who do you most get in the world? So it sort of sounds like you're saying there needs to be sort of a new definition of what is a niche. I mean, you're talking really mm -hmm. about how do you niche your business? And we hear that a lot, right? That's sort of a buzzword. Yeah. Oh, you've got to know your niche. But, but you're taking a twist on this, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And this, this has been my, one of my biggest challenges because as a creative thinker, every time somebody would tell me to find a niche, I just, I would collapse. I collapsed and then I became ashamed. You know, we don't talk about shame and entrepreneurship a lot, but I, I hear it all the time with the people I coach. I hear a lot of shame. I hear people ashamed that they are interested and passionate about many things. Tom, do you know the number one thing people say to me when they reach out for coaching is it's verbatim. They will write, I'm a hot mess. <laughs> it cannot, that's line number one and 80% of the emails I receive, right? People are ashamed that they see many things that they're interested in. So anytime this, this idea of finding a niche has been presented, I would collapse under it. When I started, I was a photographer, I started coaching and speaking, I was ashamed. I kept, you know, I kept one thing from the other. So my idea of this new niche that I talk about is that it's expansive because the old niche is really restrictive. The old niche is saying, find one thing to do in one group of people. And I'm saying, you know what? If you take the time to know, like I, I refer to it as your space, like what's your space? What's your area of authority, right? You have a very specific area of authority. And the more you own your area of authority, 
you then realize there's a lot of things you can, a lot of different things you can create within that space, that area of authority, and many people who want to hear about that. When I started coaching, I only coached photographers because that was what I was known for. But then I realized, wow, anybody that's in business, marketing themselves, branding themselves, doing something unusual, we all have the same problems, huh. right? Our journeys may be different, but a lot of our problems are very similar. And I realized I can coach many different people. Uh, what I refer to as the uncommon entrepreneurs, anybody doing something out of the ordinary. I'm really good at helping people make money at that. Maybe I need to spend more time with you. I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, I've got a couple more questions for you. We're not letting you go yet. But first, I've got to thank the, the, the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to, to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jeffrey Shaw. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of the listeners of this show think, if Tom could do this, duh, I could do this. Well, you can. Reach out to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Jeffrey, this book, it's just being released. It's going to be really hot. Are, are you saying that this should be the gift that everybody buys in the holiday season? Because we're releasing this right at the start of December. Is, is this the book everybody should buy for their entrepreneurial friends? And if so, do you consider this a marketing book or a branding book? Well, first of all, I won't say that it's for everybody because that would be not walking my talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, but go ahead and buy it anyway. It is. It is for entrepreneurs for sure, especially anybody that has what I consider like marketing challenges, right? There, the one thing everybody in my world has in common is that they're in business doing something there's no education, business education for, right? You know, there's no business education for photographers, for speakers. You yeah, know this, when I was right? in college, there wasn't be a professional speaker 101. No, it doesn't exist. And that's the way, I mean, I work with so many people in diverse industries, but the one thing we all have in common is that there's no business education for us. So that's the common denominator. So yes, the lingo is perfect for anybody that needs to receive it for, for that. Um, so what was your other part of the question? Do you consider it a marketing book or a branding book? Um, you know, I don't separate the two. And I think there's too much conversation that people do. You know, to me, branding, branding always seems to get the bad rap. Like it's the little brother and I am the little brother. So I know what that feels like. Um, Branding to me is everything, you know, because branding in today's world, it's doing all the communication. It's speaking your language when you're not present. And so often in business, we're not present when people are checking on our brand and what we do. So branding is marketing. I don't separate the two, um, but I see this book being absolutely appropriate for, for anybody who needs to succeed at marketing and branding. So one of the things that, that I believe, and I say it all the time on the show, the fact that some people mock me about it, but I really believe if you want to learn the, and I'm going to use your word, the lingo, you know, of, you know, your, your, not so much your customers, but of your industry, I'm a real big believer that people should get involved with whatever their trade association is, you know, their, their association groups, because, you know, when I became a speaker from the outside looking in, the business looked like one thing. And when I started doing it, I discovered that, you know, the audience wasn't necessarily my, the person I was trying to sell, it was the meeting planner. And it's, there's a lot of little nuances that you think from the outside, oh, the audience is my customer. Well, yes, but no. And so by getting involved for me with the National Speakers Association, I learned a lot about sort of 
what really ticks behind the scenes in my business. And I tell everybody, I'm kind of a joiner. If I was a locksmith, I would join the National Locksmiths Association. But what do you think about people in order to sort of learn parts of the lingo of their customers, but also of their of their industry itself? Do you think it's important that people get involved with other people who do what they do? I mean, should photographers hang out with photographers? Should uh, authors of business books hang out with authors of business books? What do you think? Absolutely. I think it's, uh, I'm also a member of NSA. I'm a huge believer in also belonging to your, your industries. And again, I think we also need to walk our talk. We need to support the industries for which we're a part of. Um, and you know what, Tom, it's so interesting to ask this question because it's actually, there's what one would consider a bit of a bizarre chapter in the book, which is about what I call validation paradox. It's about finding where you belong because that this is this is what elevates us out of our own expectations. We so often can't see ourselves for what we're fully capable of because we inherently have already established what we expect our lives to be, or, you know, or God forbid, other people have set expectations for what they think we're capable of. So how do you get out of that? To me, like you're saying, the only way we can get beyond our own expectations is finding out where we belong. Like who's that group of peers that sees more in us than we can see in ourselves. And that's why you and I belong to a couple of speaker groups in common. And the whole reason for being there is because those, your fellow group members see more in you than you can see in yourself. They're the ones that can stretch you beyond your own self-imposed expectations. So I think it's imperative to find a place where you, where, a place where you belong. I was uh, really struck watching the Tony Awards this year and acknowledging how many of the award recipients stood on stage and said, if it wasn't for their peers, if it wasn't for their fellow actors, they would never be where they are. So you know, especially if you're an out-of-the-box thinker, and most of us so that were kind of grew up feeling like we were black sheep and misfits, and you know, <laughs> if you thought differently than the people around you, then you need to find the place where you belong to bring out your best. Well, and, and you and I have a lot in common, and I love the fact that twice in two different situations you brought up the word paradox because I love that word, and people yeah. who know me know that my new material this year and, and a survey that I've been doing and some research is around what I call the paradox of potential, and oh, that wow. is that we think, oh my gosh, Jeffrey's got potential. He's going to excel to greatness. Well, potential doesn't equal results, and through interviewing now and doing a survey of over 250 people and actually interviewing about 30 of them, what I've found is that People get caught up in their potential and that fact that there's a gap between potential and results, it's a paradox and it frustrates the bejeebas out of somebody. So every time you said paradox, I sort of sat up going, yes, I love that word. And uh, it's it's prevalent right now in my own work. So I I couldn't- What I love about that, Tom, is I'm a huge believer in, you know, collective consciousness or whatever one wants to call it. Like, I've never thought I had, I don't believe I ever, ever had a really an original thought. You know, it's it's more like, and the same, this kind of, honestly, this- goes right back into secret language. And then the way I was able to develop that was I sensitive enough to pick up on what was around me, right? And I think that's imperative as entrepreneurs. Are we sensitive enough to pick up on market trends, how society is changing, how the needs of the people we serve are changing? Are we empathetic and sensitive enough to pick up on those vibes? Because they're already there. So, you know, it doesn't entirely surprise me that you and I would somehow both be on the same wavelength of paradox, because I don't, I don't want to take credit away from you, but I don't think I, it was like I had original thought. I think it's, are you sensitive enough to pick up on what the world needs? And when you are, that's ultimately what creates success. Well, and, and this whole new, I mean, it's, I've been working on it for over a year, but this whole new sort of keynote and workshop that I've put together, which eventually probably will become uh, uh, you know, a book unto itself, is that I was out for a run. 
and I was thinking about I was actually working on a one man show at the time and the the lead character of the one man show was my own childhood imaginary friend and he had come back into my life and he was pissed where I missed my own potential and I had started doing some research on this whole idea of personal potential and, and why people miss it and as I was gathering all this information and reading different studies I was out for a run one day and all of a sudden it's as if the collective consciousness as you call it or whatever said the paradox of potential <laughs> and from that day forward boom it changed everything and and it, it is true I, I sort of feel I didn't come up with it there was some sort of a ba-bam that came yeah. from something and you know maybe maybe Star Trek was right maybe uh, the Borg you know this collective of the Borg is real we're all somehow interconnected yeah and you know honestly and, and you know I, I'm a business head so I always I always come back to business I, I just today's podcast episode is about business lessons I learned from the yoga mat like you know I'm always my, my head is always in business and, and I'm going to bring it right back to ideal customers this is why we want to work with our ideal customers right because they bring out the best in us and at the end of the day that's what this is about you know I, I never would have succeeded as a photographer to the levels I did had I not found where I belonged that I belonged serving this affluent clientele not not the, you know the socioeconomic group from which I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know they brought out the best in me. I never could have imagined what I was capable of. But when you work with with the people you're meant to serve, who actually see more in you, you rise to the occasion. That to me is the paradox of potential. I think you're onto a, just a fantastic topic. And uh, you know what I love about it, Tom, is that it's you know. Again, I think one of the ways in which we as a society and uh, human nature have, have evolved is that motivation and bunch of rah-rah just isn't enough anymore. People want some tangibility behind the hype. And I think that's what, what uh, the paradox of potential really offers to me is that there's a sounds to me as a, there's some meat and almost some science underneath it, that there's an unveiling here I think that people really need to hear. Yeah, there's some there's some good stuff, and it almost surprised me that I was capable of coming <laughs> yeah. up with some of the stuff. I love it. Hey, before I let you go, you know, we call the show "Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do," and and you know, I've had you on the show before, so you know, I have questions I often ask, and one of the questions is, what advice do you have for people who who want to be entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or or even in their jobs, just entrepreneurial? If people want to be successful, what cool tips do you have? <laughs> well, you know, I am a, obviously a huge believer in self study. You know, I, I uh, you don't want to just run out there and, and, and build the business that you want. I already did that. I, and I'll tell you, don't do it that way. Don't just go out there and build the business you want to build without doing a little self-study and then letting that self-study lead you to understanding who your ideal customer is. Um, and then at the end of the day, the most foundational question we can ask for ourselves is why should people choose us? I think that, you know, just being, if you can't answer that question, nobody else can. And then as a, a kind of a tip to that, here's what I think most entrepreneurs' greatest differentiator is. It's not acting different. It's not being crazy. It's not uh, coming up with the, the new, little newest and latest mousetrap, mousetrap. I think very often your differentiator is what is your unique perspective? What do you bring to the table on a t- commonly held topic that nobody else is presenting? You know, a friend of mine, uh, has been paddle boarding for years, years and years paddle boarding and, and uh, taking iPhone photographs of dolphins and whales that have come to, to be comfortable with him in the water. And he put out a book called um, uh, Blue Laguna, because it's in Laguna Beach, Blue Laguna from a paddle boarder's perspective. Now, I looked it up on Google. There are 17,005 books about whales, but I'm interested in reading about 
a paddleboarder's perspective about whales because that's freaking cool to me. (laughs) So that often is your differentiator. The 17,005 books about whales, but I'm interested in looking at one about from a paddleboarder's perspective because it's a different perspective. So my suggestion is do a little self-study. What perspective can you bring different to what you're you're doing, even if it's a highly competitive field? That's awesome. Well, See, we leave on a really high note that I think will inspire, you know, everyone who listened to this episode. So, hey, Jeffrey Shaw, if people want to find you, they go to JeffreyShaw.com. Is that right? Sure. Well, and actually what I would recommend even more so, we've put together a, uh, a Lingo Media Kit just for your cool entrepreneurs. And the way to grab that is JeffreyShaw.com forward slash cool things. And in that, I've put together the secret language strategy as an infographic, I'm including a free chapter. And what I'm really excited about actually is I'm also including an audio version of that free chapter with a whole bunch of extra content and me just being my crazy self that you'll never get in the written version of the book. So <laughs> all right. That, all right. that's all part of the Lingo media kit and uh it's jeffreyshaw.com forward slash cool things all right everybody jeffreyshaw.com slash cool things and uh, check out everything that he has to offer and christmas is coming run out there and buy this book for everyone who fits the niche who uh who who is it who is that entrepreneur who maybe is struggling trying to understand who their ideal customer is it's going to be you know a great read for all of us and we're actually recording this before the book comes up so i've only been able to see the summary but uh we've been talking about it for months because i was involved with some people when you were trying to come up with the right name for the book Mm -hmm. and so i love to watch my friends uh take projects and take them to their fruition. And it's really exciting that this book is coming out right now. So again, it is called Lingo. And what is the the subtitle of it? Discover your uh, discover your ideal customer's secret language and make your business irresistible. Well, that's what we want to do. We want to be irresistible. Hey, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened to the show, because I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we have a podcast? Come on, it's about you guys. So if you liked this episode, reach out to Jeffrey on social media, find him at jeffreyshaw.com and say, Jeffrey, what a great episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and then go buy his book. And you can always reach out to me, at Cool Podcast on Twitter. On, we're on Facebook, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And you can always find me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you like this show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review because uh, new reviews make me happy. And uh, it's almost Christmas, so let's make me happy. Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Jeffrey Shaw. Now, Jeffrey's thinking, what? How is that possible? You're going to have to tune in in a couple of days, Jeffrey, and find out. Uh, I will indeed. But for all of you who are out there, I'm going to challenge you. Go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.